Hey. Hi. Here's your reminder that you are worthy and capable exactly as you are in this moment. Really? There's nothing wrong with the core of you and who you are. I think you're right. If you want to be a hot girl, then you are a hot girl. I am? If you want to do Pilates, you can do Pilates. Yes, I can. And never let anyone tell you any differently. I won't. Let's start the show. Let's go. Hello, all my bad bitches, hot girls, and everyone who enjoys this podcast. In this one, I want to talk to you about refining your practice. If you're a beginner, brand new to exercise, you don't need to worry about these tips. You can just focus on moving, following a program, sticking to whatever routine you're on, and then over time, allow yourself to develop these deeper practices. But just know that these tips are not essential for an excellent and amazingly effective workout routine. These are just tips that can help you to refine your practice and help you dig deeper in the technique of Pilates. And over the years, I've learned so much about my body, biomechanics, anatomy, and movement, and and motor learning, and I want to share some of the things that I've learned with you today that have helped me to deepen my understanding of the work and help to improve my practice. I have a couple of big ideas to share with you today. And when you start to implement these ideas into your practice, you'll notice that they change not only your Pilates practice, but your movement practice anywhere. And it helps you to have this almost paradigm shift that happens when you understand these concepts. You have a a new understanding of movement. And the first concept is what remains still and what is in motion. In every single exercise in Pilates, you can find that we're trying to keep something still while another part or parts of our body are in motion. Now, don't get me wrong. There's always a time and place for just flailing your body, wiggling and being free and letting everything move. But in a technique of Pilates, there is typically something isolated while something else is in movement. And when you do this, you're able to target very specific muscles. I'll give you an example. Let's talk about the powerhouse since that is such a uh, underlying kind of thread through the entire Pilates system. And your powerhouse is made up of everything from your waist down to below your hips. That's our first powerhouse. And then everything from the the neck down to the bottom of your shoulders, so right to your waist, is considered your second powerhouse, your shoulder girdle. And we're going to talk about the first powerhouse, so, so mainly your abdominals. Let's talk about the different layers because the deepest layer of your abdominals, being the transversus abdominis, is strengthened when the rest of the body is in motion and the torso is still. The rectus abdominis, your six-pack muscles, and your obliques, for instance, are strengthened when the torso is in motion. So you can strengthen your abdominals through lots of different exercises, but I hope that gives you an understanding of why sometimes you're, tra- you're training your abdominals even when your body seems to be in stillness, right? Or your spine seems to be in stillness. Now, this is basically the concept of isolation, When you're able to keep certain body parts still and allow other body parts to move, you can really isolate muscle groups. 
And it also helps you to have a deeper awareness of your body in space. And this can be helpful when you're trying to achieve a certain aesthetic in Pilates. So thinking about an exercise, let's say the hundred, right? Oftentimes when we first start practicing this exercise, our legs can be moving up and down. Our head can be nodding. But ideally, the arms are pumping and the rest of the body is still. Now, because the spine is in a flexed position, you can see that the rectus abdominis is engaged. And because the torso is remaining still, you can also work your deeper abdominal layers. You will find that as you refine your practice, it becomes much easier to keep one part of the body still as you allow the other parts of your body to move. And that will help you to just hone in deeper onto the exercise that you're trying to emulate. And again, I just want to bring home this point that it does not make you a worse practitioner to have some wiggling going on in other areas of your body as you're trying to isolate another body part. And I would argue that you need to have that movement in order to understand the opposite, which is the stillness. And sometimes the body does learn best through two, through contrasting ideas. ideas. So maybe the next time you're doing the hundred, you are pumping your arms and you kind of let the rest of your body wiggle. Maybe you're letting your feet wiggle, your head and your hips. And then see what it feels like to keep those parts of the body still as you isolate just the arms and the shoulders. And just see how that changes your practice. There's so much that you can learn about your body and the practice when you just really dig deep into this idea of isolation and break down exercises in this way. What part of my body is moving and what part of my body is remaining still? And if you're interested in the anatomy of it, that will also give you a really strong idea of what part of your body you're working, right? So that's a huge concept that is takes years to really develop and understand fully and I'm still working on to this day. But there are moments in my practice where I'm just like, oh, and I and something clicks. So allow yourself to have those aha moments throughout your practice. It's so special and it helps you to feel really connected to the work, really inspired and motivated to do whatever comes next. The next concept that I think is really pivotal to deepening and refining your practice is the concept of opposition. And you may have heard myself and many teachers talk to you about opposition, and I've heard it over the years myself. And sometimes I'm just like, what the heck are they talking about? You know, in the past, I've felt that way. And only recently in the last year or so, I started to feel it in my own body. And one of the ways to really nail down the sensation of opposition is to think about lengthening always. And again, I just want to mention, this does not apply to every single uh, workout or every single way of moving. And you do not have to grade yourself based on how much length you can find in movement. But 
the practice and technique of Pilates is almost defined by this concept of opposition and finding the length in the body. Now, when one part of your body is lengthening, another part of your body must contract in opposition. And that will help you to connect a little bit deeper to whatever it is you're working toward. So let's think about the spine, right? And going back to your abdominals. When you feel that length through your spine, through the crown of your head and through your tail, what starts to happen is your abdominals start to contract inward. You also start to work your entire powerhouse wrapping all the way around your torso. So it's this really deep sensation and this kind of concept that seems a little maybe superfluous, but it does have a purpose because it can allow you to connect deeper into the movement. Another place to think about opposition is in rotation. Now, when the spine is rotating, maybe let's just picture you are reaching behind you to grab something. You're probably letting your shoulders and hips twist and you're just moving in the most efficient way possible. And that's fine. However, when we're working on twisting in Pilates, let's think about crisscross, for instance, or spine twist or saw. We're trying to keep your hips as still as possible. This goes back to that idea of isolation. We were isolating the spine from the hips and that is a really deep concept that um, applies to many different movement practices right isolating the movement of the hips from the spine so let's think about twisting if you are twisting to your left rotating toward your left at the same time you want to feel your right hip twisting and pulling almost to the right in opposition instantly that will change the way that exercise feels for you. Another time when you can really think about this opposition is in side kicks, side kick series. Now as your legs kicks forward in front of you and you're feeling the length through your toes, at the same time you want to feel your femur drawing back, your hip pulling back. And then thinking about up and down movements, like in your sideline series hydrants, for example, as the thigh moves upward, your hip has to move forward in opposition. And that's going to help you find that stillness idea, that concept of keeping something still while something else is in motion. And oftentimes finding stillness is not the act of doing nothing. It's actually the act of doing a lot. So as you think about your clamshell position or your hydrant, as you're lifting your knee up, there's a lot of work that goes into pressing your hip forward so that you're not uh, working your spine and just rotating. So you're actually isolating your hip. Doing this can help to make your practice a lot more effective. Another thing I want to talk to you about is knowing your own tendencies, your own unique anatomy and form, and your own habits. I'll talk to you about myself and my habits, the things I've learned about my body. For instance, I tend to be in an anterior pelvic tilt, and this is the case for a lot of women. I am definitely not unique in this way. My pelvis tends to tip forward. Now, I don't need to put a judgment call on that. It's totally fine. 
for the pelvis to be in that position. I'm pain-free. I'm okay. But when it comes to my practice, it actually does become relevant. Thinking about exercises like the roll-up, rolling like a ball. These are moments when I can really work to try to find the opposite position and break out of my habit. This is going to help me to train underutilized muscles that are hard for me to find. So I know that habit about myself. I can apply it to many different exercises and look and see when can I try to find a little bit more posterior to pelvic tilt. Typically for me, this really engages my abdominals way more than I ever realized I could. And the first place I think I felt this was doing ab work, right? When you typically round up like a chest lift position, think a sit up. And instead of just finding that lift in my upper body, I needed to actually also rock my pelvis back and press my low back and waist into the ground. That really changed the way that exercise felt for me. And this is not appropriate for everyone because if you are someone who tends to be in a posterior pelvic tilt, then finding the opposite and breaking your habit will actually be doing a little bit more anterior pelvic tilt, right? So it's good to note that that is a unique uh, thing for me and it could be different for you. Another one of my habits, because of my anterior pelvic tilt, I tend to also flare my rib cage forward a bit, right? So my spine likes to be in that arch position. And again, another time for me to feel that hollowing, I just breathed as a, as a cue here, but that hollowing and that knitting inward of the rib sensation. Now, it does not have to look like that, right? Just the feeling of doing that can change the way the practice feels in your body. Now, some of the common ones that I've seen in others as well, and myself included, but in case you can't relate to those, is looking down. Oh my goodness, I see this so much. And I do this too, right? So note, is that one of your habits? Do you tend to drop your chin? That will, that will uh, prevent you from getting that sensation of the lengthening right through the crown of your head. And it kind of... Um, can throw off the balance of certain exercises and can make it harder for you to strengthen the muscles at the back of your neck. And those are important erector muscles. So if that tends to be a habit for you throughout your practice, you just start to remind yourself, oh, is my chin up? Am I lengthening? And of course, you don't want to lift your chin so much that you crunch um, the back of your neck and then you're no longer, you know, you're doing something completely different. But you just want to be a little bit aware of that, the focus, because and here's another big tip. Eyes. Wherever your eyes go, your spine goes. If you want your spine to lengthen, you want to also lift the eyes. If you want the spine to round, you want to look down. There's a time and a place for both of those. But make sure you're using your eyes in your practice, right? Get in the habit of that. That can also really change the way exercises feels. And oftentimes in my classes, I like to remind you where to look. Instantly when I do that, I see the work get a little bit deeper. Now the shoulders, oh my goodness. Okay, how many times... Have you in your practice been told to relax your shoulders or push your shoulders down? I mean, this is very common. A lot of times when things get hard and we, we start to muscle through something, uh, the first thing that happens is we kind of start to lift the shoulders up to the ears, right? It's almost like a protective position. So if you know that you're someone who tends to do that, great opportunity for you to 
check on the shoulders. Do not, you don't have to pin them down, right? But maybe you start to experiment with the range of motion your shoulders have. And again, you can learn through contrast. So maybe you scrunch your shoulders up a lot, relax them down. And getting that sensation of contrast can help you to find a position for your shoulders that is maybe more optimal for the aesthetics or for the efficiency of the movement. Lastly, I just want to say to trust yourself and your body. In so many of my beautiful movers, I can see that we don't necessarily trust our bodies as much as we deserve to. And you don't actually need an instructor to pinpoint and isolate every single thing for you. Your body actually has a really incredible way of learning how to do a movement And sometimes when we overthink it, we're losing some of the beauty in the movement as it is. So that's how I want to close this episode, just trusting yourself and your body. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode and can't wait to talk to you next. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I would love to connect with you on social media, on Instagram or TikTok. You can find me at Ruth Pilates Studio, all one word. If you'd like to try out any of my classes, on-demand programs, and challenges, and join this community of bad bees across the globe, you can sign up today for a seven-day free trial. Just check out the show notes for the details. And lastly, remember to stand so tall and proud. Can't wait to talk to you next.